And uh, Father, as Jamie comes, I pray you'd fill him with the Spirit, that he would speak the Word of God boldly, and that we would be transformed. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dennis. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Dennis said, my name is Jamie Moore, and I serve as associate pastor here. And uh, I have been given the privilege and responsibility to talk through the question, how do I follow Jesus? How do we follow Jesus? And as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking back on my college days. When I was in college, um, I, was, I, I entered a season of life where I was really intense about reading the Bible through in a year. I was really intense about doing Bible studies, being with other guys that were following the Lord. I was in a, a missionary kid uh, student union thing. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. And I found myself actually high stress because I thought that I was going to miss God's will. I thought that if I didn't get the right degree, that I would miss out on what God wanted. I had this thought in my mind that God has this plan A for Jamie's life, and if Jamie doesn't follow it exactly, then I miss B, C, D, E, F. I miss all the other things, and I got really stressed out. And there was a season in my life where I didn't enjoy my relationship with God because I was afraid I was going to miss him. Add that with chronic sin in my life. Add other things, just being a guy. And there was a lot of pressure in that moment. So the sermon this morning is talking about how do we think about these things? How should Jamie have been thinking about following God? Instead of being stressed and thinking he was going to miss it, was there something else that God had in store? So that's what we're going to be talking about. So um, let's look at, the, at a text. It's Psalm 23. And as you're turning to Psalm 23, I want to ask a trivia question. And some of you on YouTube will have the opportunity to type in the answer. But we're about to have a trivia moment. Here's the trivia question. So everyone around in, in the room that you're at, go around and answer this question, and then somebody type in what you think the answer is. The question is this. What is the animal that is most mentioned in the Bible? What animal has the most mentions in the Bible? So I'm just going to give you a couple seconds. Go around the room. Mom and dad, kiddos, answer. What do you think is the animal most mentioned in the Bible? I'll give you a couple seconds. Someone in here said Liger. That's awesome. Okay, so type it in there if you want, uh, and then I'll go back and check it in a second. But I counted. Like, I used Bible software, so I didn't count it literally, but I used some Bible software. And so I just talked through some animals. So who thought snake, right? Snake. That's going to get a lot of mentions. A hundred mentions in the Bible. What about um, lion, my personal favorite? How many mentions do you think, lion? 150 times lion is mentioned. Another one of my favorites, donkey. Donkey mentioned 150 times. But the animal mentioned the most in Scripture is sheep. Did you get it? Yeah. Yes. Sheep. Now, how many times do you think sheep or lamb or flocks is mentioned in Scripture? Take a guess. Everybody kind of guess out loud. 273. 273 from the sound booth. I like it. 
387? 400? 500? $1. Actually, I should have been like way more specific then. It's over 400 times. Mark Wavell. Leviathan, yes, yes. Um, yeah, over 400 times sheep, lamb, flocks mention the Bible. Now, why do you think that is? Why is it so much more than even lion? I think this is why. One of the primary metaphors in all of Scripture between God and his people is this metaphor, the shepherd and the sheep. The shepherd and the sheep. Primary metaphor. And so when we talk about the question, how do I follow Jesus? I want everybody to be thinking, I am, by the way, the sheep. <laughs> and God is the shepherd. That's the metaphor, that's the image, that's the analogy that should be in our brain when we think about following Jesus. We're sheep, and he's the shepherd. So what I'm going to do very quickly, I'm going to just do six observations from Scripture. I'm going to do these very quickly and move through them just to give us some theological handles and then some practical handles for what this means. What does it mean to be a sheep? What does it mean to have a shepherd and specifically a good shepherd? So six observations. The first one is this. Following the shepherd is a life rhythm. Following the shepherd is a life rhythm. Rhythm. I was looking up sheep and shepherd in, in one of my favorite dictionaries. I know that makes me sound like a nerd, but I have one of my favorite dictionaries. It's called the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. And I will just, just as an encouragement, if you're looking for Bible study tools, don't be afraid to buy a dictionary. The Dictionary of Biblical Imagery is one of the best investments you can make. But they have an entire um, entry on sheep and shepherd. And in this entry, th they talk about this. They say, it was the task of a shepherd to lead sheep from nighttime protection in a sheepfold onto safe paths to places of grazing and watering. After morning, grazing and watering, sheep typically lie down for several hours at midday in a shady or cool place, returning at night to the sheepfold where the shepherd would attend to fevered and scratched sheep. To protect sheep against, shepherds, uh, against predators, shepherds would carry two pieces of equipment, the rod and the staff. One of them was a club-like weapon, and the other was a familiar crook used for protection, rescuing, and placing across the backs of the sheep to count them as they entered the sheepfold. Psalm 23, this entry says, is built around a typical day in the life of a shepherd and his sheep. Psalm 23, although we read it a lot of times at a funeral, describes a day in the life of a shepherd and his sheep. Here's the text. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Big idea. Big idea. We have been created 
to enjoy a daily life rhythm with Jesus. We weren't created for a five-minute quiet time in the morning and then go do our day. We weren't created for wake up and immediately get our phone and look at what social media is saying. We weren't created to be in context with everything else other than our shepherd. Listen, you and I were created to walk through the day, to wake up and the shepherd is there, to brush our teeth and the shepherd is there, to eat breakfast and the shepherd is there, to go to work or get on a Zoom call and the shepherd is there, to go to bed and the shepherd is there. Our life is designed. We were created for a 24-hour rhythm with the shepherd. And many of us aren't experiencing life because we don't have it in connection with him. We're connected to so many other things other than the one who we were created for. So our life is to be in rhythm with him. So if you get anything out of the sermon, I'm going to go ahead and give you everything that's important right up front. How do you know God's will? How do you know what God's will is for your life? Here's the answer. The will of God is more about being than doing. The will of God for your life and my life is more about being with him than doing something. His will, when he looks at Jamie and he looks at you and he looks at this church and he looks at Cincinnati and he looks at the nation and he looks at the church, what he's saying is, I want to be with you. I don't want you to do things for me. I want you to do things with me. In fact, kingdom ministry is doing things with God, not for God. I spent so much time in my life thinking I needed to get his will right because I was afraid that he didn't really love me unless I did what he wanted. And then I realized he just wanted to be with me. And when I'm locked in with him, whatever I'm doing is his will. You want to know what God's will is for you right now? It's to be in communion with him. <laughs> to experience him and to know him. To know him, to have a daily rhythm. J.I. Packer passed away just a couple of days ago. In fact, two major uh, men, both John Lewis, the civil rights activist, and J.I. Packer passed away in the last couple of days. Dr. Packer wrote a book that was foundational in my life called Knowing God. And Dr. Packer, in this text, <laughs> it was pushing, actually, everything that Dr. Packer wrote was pushing on this idea. And here's one quote. Once you become aware that the main business that you're here for is to know God, then most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. And for Packer, to know God is to know him in intimacy and relationship. So that's number one. Following the shepherd is a life rhythm. The rest of these will go much quicker since that's basically the meat of what we're saying. Second observation. Sheep aren't in charge, but they are dependent. Sheep aren't in charge. Instead, they are dependent I don't have to make a big point about this. Does anybody know any sheep that are the boss of the flock? No. No, right. Sheep are not in charge. By definition, the sheep wakes up and someone else is in charge. Someone else is the boss. Someone else is the Lord. Someone else gets to tell the sheep where to go. 
The sheep doesn't wake up and then go, hmm, I wonder, should we go over the mountain to get to the pasture? Should we go around the creek bed? The sheep is not thinking about these things. The sheep says, where's the shepherd? Where's he leading us? I'm going to follow him. I, I hope you get the point here. And, and listen, I, I have it in me where I, I want to do strategy because I can hear all the type A's in the room are going, Jamie, come on now. Come on, bro. We're supposed to do things. We're supposed to accomplish strategy, goals. I've got it in me. I get it. I get it. But sometimes we get a little big for our britches. We need to realize he's the boss. And what he says goes. Sheep are not in charge. We don't really decide. I know it's very anti-American of me to say. I don't really get to decide what I do. You know, Abba has never come to me and said, hey, Jamie, you know, let's do a little choose-your-own-adventure. I mean, which, what do you want to do here? You want to go this way? You want to go this way? No, the creator of the universe says, Jamie, I want you to do this. And I say, yes, sir. Not out of a place of like, oh, he's a terrible taskmaster, but out of a place of, if that's what you've created me to do since the, before the beginning of time, I want to step into it. I want to see what you have for me. Sheep aren't in charge. And the reason I'm saying this is because sometimes we get really worried about things that we have no control over. Like, I don't know, COVID-19. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I get worried about medical stuff and political unrest and all the, one of the reasons I get anxious about it is because I can't have control over it. A lot of these things are a way for the Father to just say, you're not in control, I'm in control, follow me. So, big idea. Sheep don't worry about what's next. They worry about the shepherd and where is he going. Third observation. Sheep are prone to wander and they need saving. Sheep are prone to wander. We sang about that earlier. And they need saving. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sheep have a tendency to be like, ooh, there's something shiny. And follow that thing, to look at that thing. And there's this battle between the shepherd figuring out, are all the sheep in, or is there one that's wandering? Because there's a tendency to wander. There's a tendency to, to be distracted and to see something shiny and to go to that thing rather than following the shepherd. And so there's this interplay between distracted, oh, shepherd said, come back. Distracted, shepherd said, come back. I got a golden retriever named Bear. He is one of the most easily distracted things on the planet. Food, shiny things, squirrel, bird, anything. And you, you literally, you have to bear, bear, bear before he'll actually turn. And if he's watching this right now, he's probably looking right at the camera. But he's distracted. And then, and then he hears his name and he turns back. Sheep are prone to wander and they need saving. We're so easily distracted. I'm just confessing. I'm so easily distracted. I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about a hundred different things other than what's the shepherd doing today. Distracted. Fourth point. The good shepherd seeks out and lays down his life for his sheep. For his sheep. John 10, 10 and 11. 
Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What does laying down his life for the sheep mean? Well, one, it means seeking. He seeks after us. We know the parable of the lost sheep, that there were a hundred sheep. One of them was, who was prone to wander wandered off and was in danger. And the shepherd in this story leaves the 99, we sang about this as well, walks over, rescues the one, and brings this one back. And there's this great rejoicing. Why? Because it's mortally dangerous to be away from the flock and the shepherd. It's mortally dangerous to be away and wandering away from the good shepherd. And so he comes back and he seeks us out and he picks us up and puts us on his shoulder and takes us back to the flock. But it's more than just seeking. There's also a laying down of his life. There is a willingness to sacrifice his very life for those that he loves. I don't know if you heard the story about Bridger Walker. Do you know that name? Bridger Walker? This kiddo, six years old. In Wyoming. He's walking. His sister is right next to him, who, she love, who he loves. And this big dog comes out and begins to charge at her. And the report says that Bridger stood there and stepped in between this dog and his sister. And the dog bit and mangled him several times read an article. He noticed a ferocious dog coming close to his sister. Without worrying about his own safety, he leaped into action and put himself in harm's way in order to keep his sister safe. His aunt said on Instagram, my nephew is a hero. By the way, Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man have like given messages to this kid. Cap even gave him his shield. He's crazy because even fictional heroes know when there's a real hero in the room. On Instagram, his aunt said, he, took, he himself took on the attack so that the dog wouldn't get his sister. Bridger saved his little sister's life by standing between her and a charging dog. After getting bit several times on the face and head, he grabbed his sister's hand and ran with her to keep her safe. And then they asked Bridger, this is what he said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is what he said. If someone was going to die, I thought it should be me. That is the heart of Jesus for you. Jesus looks at us in our sin and our brokenness. And he understands that because of my sin, Jamie deserves eternal separation from God forever. And Jesus looks at Jamie and everyone in the world and he says, I thought if someone needed to die for that sin, it should be me and not Jamie. There is a radical grace that has been shown to us by the good shepherd. He looks at us. He says, I want to be with you, but I can't because of your sin and rebellion. You were an enemy of mine. Jamie ran away. And Jesus said, I want you back, so I will die in your place on the cross. I will become your sin. Every despicable thought and action and word that's come out of my mouth was placed on Jesus on the cross. Sin and rebellion was put onto Jesus. He became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
the good shepherd willingly dies for you and me to bring us back to himself. He's a good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. So let's get practical. Observation number five. Relationship, this relationship is one of intimate communication. This relationship is one of intimate communication. Again, John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear the voice of their shepherd. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And then skip down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The shepherd knows the sheep by name, so that, that automatically implies intimacy. If someone knows your name, they know you. That's the way the Bible talks about name. You know someone's name, you know who that person is. Then he says that the sheep hear their name called, they hear the voice of their shepherd, they turn and they follow that voice. There is an intimacy, there is a communication, there is a, there is a connection at play that I'd, I didn't experience with God for many years of my Christian walk. Here's how the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery describes this. Shepherds were thus providers, guides, protectors, and constant companions of their sheep. So close is the connection between shepherd and sheep that to this day, right now, in the Middle East, shepherds can divide flocks that have mingled at a well or during the night simply by calling their sheep who follow their shepherd's voice. So you can have multiple flocks all hanging out, and right now, a shepherd could call out, and his sheep that are commingled will go blah, 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 and follow him because they know his voice. It's like those mamas who hear a, their baby cry, right? <laughs> or you're in a grocery store, and you hear, Mom, and there's, moms can hear it. Before we had cell phones and you had caller ID, when Jess and I were dating, um, which dates me, I guess, but when we were dating, it was just like literally a phone with a wire stuck to the kitchen wall at my house when I grew up. So I'd take the phone off, and I was like this. And, but there was a cord, so I had to stay there. And there's no caller ID. So the phone's ringing. I pick up the phone, and Jess would say, hey, and I knew exactly who it was. I didn't need caller ID because there was none. I didn't need her to say, um, Jamie, this is Jessica Ellen Hobal, ready to talk to you. No, I heard, I heard hey, and I knew it was her. You see, but was it always that way with Jess? No. There was, there was a growing relationship with her where I began to understand more and more what her voice sounded like. So how do we get practical with this? How, how do we get practical? Number one, get in the Word. You see, the Bible gives us the vocabulary to hear the voice of God. The Bible is literally vocabulary for the way God speaks. When we see Jesus speaking to his disciples, we understand, okay, that's the way Jesus talks. When we hear Yahweh speaking through the prophets 
to his people or speaking to Moses or Abraham or Gideon or Elijah. When we hear him speak and see the words that he says, they give us vocabulary for hearing his voice. So get in the word. You want to hear what God's voice sounds like? Read the word. You will begin to pick up, okay, that's what he sounds like. That's what his voice sounds like. And then number two, ask for sensitivity to hear his voice in all things. Ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Father and I are sending the Spirit to dwell within you. We're going to make our home with you, and the Spirit is going to remind you and to teach you all things. That means the Spirit of Jesus is inside of you by faith in Christ. And that also means that he will continually speak and guide and teach and remind us what Jesus said. So ask the Holy Spirit for sensitivity, for better ears to hear what Jesus says. And then third thing, get still, ask him to speak, and then listen and write down what you hear. Get still, ask him to speak, listen, and then begin to write down what you hear. Sixth and final observation is this. Following the shepherd requires obedience. Following the shepherd requires obedience. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, I just read this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Everyone say follow. Follow. They follow me. Let me just make this real simple. Obedience to Jesus is not so much about doing right things and not doing wrong things. Obedience to Jesus is not so much a checklist. Obedience to Jesus is not, he says, jump, I say, how high? No, obedience to Jesus is staying close to him all day. So sin in my life is when I'm walking with Jesus and I go, I don't really want to do that. I want to walk away from you. That's what sin is. So following Jesus, rather than thinking about it as, don't do this, do this. I should never do this. I should do this. Think of it as the shepherd is going this way. I want to walk with him. That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. And it requires obedience. I can't go where the shepherd's going if I disobey his word. Because the shepherd is going this way, and his word says, this is how I live. And if I start acting not according to that word, I'm not walking with the shepherd. I'm not following him. So I just want to encourage you. Following the shepherd requires obedience. So let me ask a couple questions. Number one, what was the last thing that you heard him say to you to do? What was the very last thing that you heard him say? And are you stepping into it? I got onto social media this last week because the father told me in October of last year, he said, Jamie, I want you to write a book. I want you to write a book on my presence. And I flat out ignored him. Then in February, I go back and look at my journals. In February, he said it again. He said, Jamie, I want you to write a book on my presence. I came up with excuses. I'm too busy. I got stuff to do at church. I got I to gotta read other things. And I flat out disobeyed him. And then about three weeks ago, the father got real quiet. <laughs> he said, son, I want you to write this book. Because if you don't write it, then what I have planned for you will not come to pass. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. But didn't come across as condemning it came across as a father who knows what he has planned for his son 
He knows the adventure that's waiting for Jamie. He knows the adventure that he has planned. And if I don't follow him, I don't get to step into this amazing thing. Now, if I don't follow him, he will still work all things for good, and it's going to be okay. But I, I really want to do what he's prepared beforehand, before the beginning of time for me to do. I want to step into it. I want to do it. So I, I encourage you to ask yourself, what was the last thing the Father told you to do? What was the last thing Jesus told you to do? And are you stepping into it? It doesn't have to be writing a book. Maybe it's just calling that person that you know the relationship is broken and you need to restore that relationship. The Father is showing me that there are individuals right now that you need to call and make it right. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to confess, and you need to make it right. And you know that he's asked you to do it. What was the last thing he told you to do? And are you stepping into it? Another question, what was the last thing you heard in a sermon or a Bible study that really burned in your heart? Have you actually applied it to your life? I was telling a couple of folks earlier, right before we started the stream, I think Satan loves our Bible studies and he loves our sermons as long as we don't apply them to our lives. In fact, the most dangerous thing that happens right now, because I'm, I'm about to pray and close, the most dangerous thing right now is for you to go, that was really, that was a pretty good sermon. I really enjoyed that. And then not apply it to your life. <laughs> the most dangerous moment right now is when we stop this stream and you go, that was a nice service. I really appreciate that. And then you go up and live your life without the shepherd. Are y'all hearing me? We're in a critical moment right now where you get to choose am I going to follow this shepherd am I going to walk with him am I going to bring him into my day am I going to eat lunch with the shepherd and engage with him and those that I'm eating lunch with or am I going to ignore and be prone to wonder Jesus is calling you for some of you you have never experienced his love ever he's calling you He's asking you, come to me. Come to me. So I'm going to pray. And then Mark and the team is going to come back up and lead us in worship. One final song. I want to encourage you, do not turn off the stream and then go live a life that's not shepherd word. Don't live the rest of the day without the context of I am with the shepherd today. Use your imagination. Picture him. <laughs> Talk to him. Engage with him. He loves you. He's called us to a life rhythm with him. So let's pray. Then we're going to sing one final song. A great song, <laughs> step by step. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you that you are a good father who loves his kids. Thank you that you love us. You are not willing to leave us alone and vulnerable, but you have come to rescue us and to draw us back to yourself, that in Jesus you have become my sin and the sin of the world. Even when we were enemies of yours, you loved us. Even when we had done nothing in obedience to you, you loved us. So Father, I ask now by your Spirit that you will come 
you will manifest your love to your people this morning. Holy Spirit, will you come and give us eyes to see Jesus? I want to see Jesus at lunch today. I want to see Jesus in my kids' faces this afternoon. I want to go to sleep in reference to my shepherd tonight. And I want to get up tomorrow morning and the first voice I hear is not the number of likes on social media, but the first voice is my father and my brother saying, good morning. Follow me today. Holy Spirit, will you give strategy and wisdom that we will be the kind of people that hear your voice and follow you. Holy Spirit, come. Give us eyes to see Jesus. We long to follow you. That's in his name we pray. Amen.